I've known today's guest for a very long time because she started training at the martial arts school where I also trained when she was just a little girl. So I've had the pleasure of watching her go from color belt to black belt and on all the way up through fourth degree black belt. And I've always admired her, especially when she took leadership roles at the school and developed a demo team of girls who learned brand new things, including how to use the fan as a weapon in a fan form. That was really fun to watch such a young woman take on the leadership and show the initiative that she did to create such a great experience for other girls. About a year ago, maybe a little more, she shared a story on YouTube about an assault that she had experienced when she was in high school, and I was horrified to hear what had happened to her and reached out immediately to talk with her. I was so impressed with the grace and the courage that she showed in going through that experience and dealing with all the aftermath, and I knew that I wanted to bring her on the show because although she's young, she's about the same age as my two daughters in their 20s, she has incredible insight and wisdom to share, and I am sure that you are going to love hearing from her as much as I enjoyed talking with her. So here we go. Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast, the show that tackles the subject of women and violence head on and shines the light on what women need to know and do to be safe. Here's your host, fourth degree black belt and self-protection expert, Cynthia Gillicur Rude. Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Jolicoeur Rude, and today I am so excited to bring this guest on the show. She is somebody that I have known since she was a little girl, and I have had the pleasure of training in martial arts with her. In fact, we even tested together at a mastery test. Yeah. Where I believe she did a third degree, and I did my fourth yeah. degree. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So Natasha Gunther has been doing martial arts since she was five years old and she hasn't stopped. She's been training for 18 years and teaching for 10. And she wants to build this as her career and open up her own martial arts studio. She has faced a lot of obstacles as a woman in the martial arts community but she's passionate about addressing the bias and discrimination that many women face as martial artists, instructors, and business owners. Natasha is also the survivor of a sexual assault, and she is here to tell her story. Welcome to the podcast, Natasha Gunther. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be great. I'm glad we managed to get it together because I think we first talked about this like six or more months ago. So yeah, yeah, I know. It's been somewhere around there. We've been trying to do this for a while now. I'm excited that we're finally doing it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, I like to start the show with kind of a quick round of questions to get everybody comfortable and kind of in the groove. So are you ready to start with that? All right. Shoot them at me. Here we go. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh my goodness. That is such a loaded question. Probably the power ooh, to hmm, maybe to like read minds. I think that would be so cool. And you can use that in so many different ways. I think that would be pretty cool to do. I don't know. It's the first one that popped in my head. Uh-huh. So. 
Yeah. Well, we're going to go with that then. (laughs) (laughs) I've always thought mind reading could be like a double-edged sword, you know, like it'd be really, really cool, but then also kind of not depending on what you happen to pick up. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe you can be able to choose when you want to, you know, not always like every single voice in your head, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Selective. There you go. Selective. (laughs) I love it. Okay. What is your favorite recreational activity? Oh my goodness. Besides, (laughs) I want to say like martial arts, I do love drawing. I, I, that's like my thing. I went to school for animation for about two and a half, three years. And then I had a change in heart, obviously, with the whole martial arts aspect, but I still love to draw every now and then. And it really relaxes me and stuff like that. So definitely drawing. Is that like pencil drawing or? Oh, everything. I do pencil, like sometimes charcoal, even like if it's just a coloring book and I get to color with my like crayons, you know, or painting, it varies in my mood. So yeah. Oh, that's great. What is your favorite self-care practice? Ooh, I love that question. I love, I don't know, I guess it's kind of a silly answer, but I do love makeup. I feel like just being able to be creative with different, you know, like eyeshadow colors and stuff like that. Like I love just, you know, having fun with like different types of art styles, you know, and like it's a cool outlet and I I love doing it. So, yeah. Oh, that makes sense to me. I was going to say, I mean, makeup is just another form of art. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) You caught me. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. What advice would you give young women today that you wish you'd had when you were in your teens? Oh, wow. Lots of things. Be careful who you trust. I feel like that is something that I learned the hard way a lot. And I wanted to open up to a lot of people growing up. And I don't know, I always had such good parents that were like very supportive of everything that I did. And like I thought everyone else would have that mindset, you know, as well to back you up and just be nice, you know, about stuff. But I feel like definitely if I can look back and like, give myself advice and give other girls advice. Just, just be careful who you trust, you know, but for sure <laughs> it's dark, but yeah. I can relate to that because I, even into my forties and probably early fifties still was very trusting and always assumed the yeah. best about people. And I, um, I paid the price, you know, it was actually my, my kids would say to me, mom, like you're being taken advantage of, like you shouldn't be oh, wow. trusting of people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I wish somebody had told me that when I was in my teens, because that could have yeah. helped, <laughs> helped avoid a whole <laughs> lot too. of stuff. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's for sure. So definitely that's my answer. I love it. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> okay, well, let's dive into your story. How did you get into martial arts? Well, my mom and my dad always have this fight. My dad's side of the story is we were getting Baskin Robbins one day. And right next to it was a Taekwondo studio and I wanted to go inside and look at it and it was love at first sight. And that's what my life has been ever since. My mom's side of the story is a little bit different. Uh, She wanted me to do dance just because she did dance when she was younger. And my dad was always like really pushing me to be more, I don't know, like a tomboy, I guess you could say, and like wanting to do like no Legos and be interested in planes and stuff like that. And they kind of fight about it, but I definitely think that my dad's side of the story was more accurate, where I just fell in love with it at first sight while enjoying my ice cream. So, 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, but, I love that. That's one of, you know, life's little coincidences, you know, air quotes, coincidences. Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to be Mulan growing up or like Kim Possible, you know, so <laughs> I was all about those TV shows of girls, you know, kicking butt and stuff like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I, I know those shows. I mean, I, I didn't watch them as a little girl. I watched them because I had little girls. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Very cute. <laughs> How about the uh, Powerpuff Girls? Oh my gosh, that too. Oh wow. I grew up watching that. I love the Powerpuff Girls. I used to have like stuffed animals and stuff like that. So, <laughs> but yeah, it definitely goes in that category. Yeah. Well, no wonder you walked into the martial arts school then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> so can you share a little bit about what your path through the martial arts has been like? Oh, yeah. It has been some of the best and some of the worst parts of my life. I have been teaching. I started at a very young age. I started at around like 10, 11-ish is when I started to teach and just help out on the side of the class and you know teach like the littlest groups of kids and stuff like that. And I just kind of fell in love with it. And I think growing up, my dad and I always had this joke because my dad also did martial arts with me, as you know. And we always had this joke that I would have my own studio someday and be like Gunther martial arts or something cheesy like that, you know. But it was never really taken seriously as a dream until a couple of years ago. I think in 2017 is when I really started to think, wow, like I really want to be doing this for the rest of my life just because I went through a lot of stuff that I would never want another woman in the martial arts industry to go through. And I would definitely want them to be in a place where, you know, it would be more of a safe environment, you know? So that's kind of like my motivation to open up my own studio for sure. So, yeah. So how old were you when you started? Taekwondo, I started around like four and a half, five, somewhere around there. So, yeah. And then... Did you stay with that discipline or what did you do? Yeah, I stayed within Taekwondo at the same organization I was at up until, you know, a couple of years ago. And I branched out and started going to different studios and stuff like that. I did also start doing Kung Fu at another studio one summer just to get, you know, more flavors in, you know, in my background. And yeah, so that was mainly my go-to was taekwondo. You know, that was always what I was most attracted to. So. So how old were you when you got your first degree? I was nine, I believe. I was nine years old, eight or nine. Yeah. So it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching that age group test and, and like my daughter, Charlotte, started the candidate process when she was nine, but she actually went through two iterations of it. So she was 10 when she actually tested. And I think a lot of people question whether a child of that age getting a black belt is real. Right. Right. But like, what, what do you think? Like, where were you in terms of what you had learned and, and what you were capable of at that age? You know, that's a hard question to answer because in do in some aspects, I do agree. I do feel like sometimes there are kids who are too young to be a black belt. They don't know the responsibility of it. They don't know the different, you know, aspects of it. But I also do think it does matter how long they've trained. You know, I know some studios where a lot of Taekwondo instructors refer to them as McDojos because they're the cheap way out where you're basically paying for a black belt. And I know that some kids get them 
two years into martial arts or two and a half years. And I think that's absolutely absurd. You know, I think if you put the years in, if it's like three or four years of training to get a first degree black belt, I think that's okay. As long as you have those trainings in and those amount of years, I think there shouldn't be a question about it. You know, you dedicate that part of your life to, you know, martial arts. So I think it's really awesome when I see younger kids with the black belt um, because it reminds me of myself, you know. But when I see like seven-year-olds, six-year-olds, I'm kind of like, I don't know about that one, you know, but (laughs) I think it depends, you know, their background and stuff like that. Each person is kind of unique. So, well, that's, that's interesting because you're kind of touching on something that I'm, I'm always really curious to hear about, which is there's definitely the physical element of martial arts. But there's a whole lot more to it than that. So can you talk a little bit about what the life lessons have been, what like the mental and character development aspect has been for you? Oh, yeah. I actually think that's the best part of (laughs) the martial arts world is all the lessons that you learn. You know, originally when I was little, you know, I have ADD and growing up, I do believe that Taekwondo really helped me more than anything to learn, you know, to focus my body, focus my mind and, you know, being able to meditate and stuff like that. But I do think Taekwondo also teaches you a lot of confidence. I used to be bullied in school a lot when I was like younger and I was terrible at speech classes. I used to hate being up front of like, you know, a class doing a presentation. And now it's a breeze for me because I'm used to it from teaching Taekwondo, you know? So uh, Taekwondo, you know, there's focus, you know, like you learn your self-worth, you learn you know, tons of things that I think are just absolutely fantastic. And I think it'd be really cool if a lot of uh, younger, you know, girls and just women in general did martial arts because of that type of, you know, aspect of it, not just the physical, but the mental as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm really glad that that was what your experience was, was experiencing that kind of benefit as you were a child. I mean, it's hard to know how you would be now if you hadn't done it. But I think it's pretty clear that you got a lot of benefit from from doing it. I saw that, you know, my family actually got into martial arts because of my oldest son. He was just a whirlwind of energy and couldn't kind of reel it back in when we needed him to. And it was like, oh, hey, let's take him somewhere where he can kick and punch and yell and it'll be okay. And we were totally clueless on everything else. But just the fact that he had a place to go where he was part of a team and he was getting like both group coaching and one-on-one attention and learning the discipline and, you know, even just the student creed that they would recite at the beginning of every class. Like he didn't, he didn't have a clue what that meant when he was four or five. Right. By the time (laughs) he was 10, it meant something. And so, yeah. So I know that, that kids may not even have a clue what benefits they're getting until they're yeah. adults. Right. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's normal, but I think it's a beautiful thing when you look back at it and you're like, wow, like I really learned a lot. You know, this really shaped me as a human being. You know, it's kind of a beautiful thing that you can look back at that part, you know, of your life when you were younger and growing up with it, you know, so definitely cool. Definitely yeah. very cool. So what's your favorite memory from your life as a martial artist so far? Oh, wow. You know, I have two, I have two that I really hold close to my heart and I can't pick. Um, One was definitely receiving my fourth degree black belt with my father. That was absolutely incredible. The journey of testing with him was fantastic. 
we were always a year apart because I had thyroid surgery and knee surgery and stuff like that. So uh, he actually ended up catching up to me. And then we got to be able to test for a fourth together. And that was the last test I've done. And it was just a beautiful experience testing with him. And my other favorite memory, I have to say is a more recent one. I have this student who I love very much and her name is Paulina. And she recently got her first degree black belt. And it was a beautiful thing seeing she's basically the equivalent of my little sister, you know, so it was really cool being able to watch, you know, one of my old instructors being able to, you know, raise her and give her her first degree black belt. It was, oh, I was a puddle of tears. I was a mess. <laughs> so that definitely is one of my top memories as well for being a martial artist. But you're mean. You're making me pick. I have a lot of good ones. It's hard. <laughs> well, that's great. I, I love both of those. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So how did you become a Disney princess? Like what's, what's that all about? <laughs> that's funny because that as well is connected to martial arts. I have this old martial arts instructor of mine who started this beautiful program called Heroes for Hope. And unfortunately, it no longer exists, but basically is where he got a whole bunch of people who, you know, loved kids as much as I did and brought them all together. And basically, our journey was to go to people and teach them that even though we're dressed like heroes and princesses, like, we're not the heroes like you guys are like, you know, I'm talking about the kids who were, you know, fighting cancer and, you know, just in tough situations like that. And we also did anti-bullying seminars and stuff like that. It was really cool. And I love Princess Jasmine and I have made a lot of very magical memories with her and I wish I could still do it, but unfortunately no longer it's a thing, but maybe one day we'll see. (laughs) But yeah, definitely Princess Jasmine and I are pretty tight and we have made some pretty cool memories together for sure. So that's how I started, ironically, through martial arts. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I didn't know that that was kind of the origin of it. So that's really cool to know. Yeah. What was it like going in and meeting some of these kids who are in, you know, faced with such amazing challenges? Cynthia, I swear it was some of the hardest things I've ever done. I, you know, you go in and we would all be like, say, for example, we'd be at Lucille Packard or something like that, right? You know, like a children's hospital. And um, we'd be outside before we go into one of the kids' rooms. And, you know, my old instructor would turn at me and he was always dressed as Batman and be like, you know, like, prepare yourself. You might want to go in with someone or they're asking for Princess Jasmine first or something like that. And, you know, you have to go in and, you know, princess your way in like, hello, you know, and you see this, you know, adorable four-year-old girl who can't even talk and is attached to tubes, you know, and you, you can't cry. You have to keep that face and keep the magic going. And I, you know, you're doing that for like one, two, three hours straight, you know, and then you get in the car and you're emotionally exhausted. And I remember crying a lot at the time when I, when I got home and took off all the, the costume and everything, cause it, it was a lot emotionally, you know, to see a lot of kids in really unfortunate circumstances. I even actually had to go to a funeral once dressed as Princess Jasmine. And that was, oh, that was really hard because this poor girl, her name is Soraya. She's five years old or seven. I don't remember. I started seeing her when she was five, I think. And I saw her for a couple of years and visited her at her house. Um, And she passed away, unfortunately. And I had to go to the funeral in character. So all these other kids that are at the funeral don't really put the two and two together, you know, of like what what they're there for, right? Because they're so young but they see Princess Jasmine in a cemetery. So they all go, you know, 
to her and Batman and are trying to interact with them. And like, you're trying to keep a brave face when you're staring at a, you know, at a tiny coffin. It, it was, <laughs> it was really hard, but I would not trade those memories at all for anything in the world, even though it was a lot <laughs> to say the least, but it was definitely really awesome. Yeah. Well, that takes a lot of courage to go and do that kind of work. And yeah. I know when you, for me, when I work with women who are in domestic violence situations, I definitely need recovery time afterwards because yeah, absolutely, you know, I mean, we have empathy, right? And, yeah. Uh, and unfortunately being with somebody who is being so courageous and yeah. doing everything that they can and not being able to actually do anything to fix what is troubling them is such a difficult thing to cope with. So I'm kudos to you for taking that on and, and, you know, and taking care of yourself through the process too. Yeah, that was really hard. And I think for a while for, I did, oh God, I was friends with Jasmine for at least four or five years. So I still dress up as her for cosplay and stuff. But back when I did the, you know, the Heroes for Hope work, um, the first couple of years that I kind of like just moved on with my day. Like after I saw those kids, it was like, all right, what's next on my day? Okay. You know, but like, as I started getting older, I think it started to hit me a little bit more, you know, just of what I was doing and, you know, just the amount of work it was emotionally to deal with was pretty hard. So yeah, it was, wouldn't trade it for the world. Just like I'm sure you wouldn't either with the work you've done, you know, not at all. <laughs> it's hard, but someone's got to do it, you know, and it's an honor that, you know, it could be us doing stuff like that. So I think that's, what's really cool about it. Yeah. It really is a privilege to be able to show up and uh, be with people. Yeah, it is. Well, let's shift gears for a minute. And I'd like to ask you to share a little bit about your assaults, like what happened and how you navigated through that experience. Oh, wow. Well, that I think was you know, it was one of the worst times of my life, but I feel like if that didn't happen to me as awful as it is, like, you know, I always say everything happens for a reason. I don't think I would have seen uh, martial arts as being the thing I want to do for the rest of my life. Because after that all happened, I grew very depressed, as you can imagine. And the only thing that kept me happy was going to Taekwondo and seeing my kids, you know, every day. That's like what I really looked forward to. And I realized, you know, wow, like that's what I need to be doing for the rest of my life. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying no to anything, you know, I'm not doing anything else, but that, you know, that's like the one thing that keeps me the happiest, but to really answer your question, uh, I, I've known this man for, since I was nine, I think eight, nine, somewhere around there. And I grew up with him being a very close family friend of ours. And basically, I would always, you know, go to his house and uh, help him, you know, around the house for when he had people over for parties and stuff like that. And, um, you know, just like handing out wine, you know, washing the dishes, whatever. I'm just being a helpful hand so that, uh, you know, they don't have to be in the kitchen, right? And they can enjoy their own party. And unfortunately, long story short, uh, he got very drunk and uh, assaulted me and the thing that I think was really hard for me was, you know, I've been doing Taekwondo since, as you know, for a very long time. And, you know, when you have all of that training where you think that you'd be prepared in a situation like this, 
But when it's somebody who attacks you, who knows the exact same thing, <laughs> you know, like everything to the T, um, everything kind of just goes out the door. You know, you don't, it, you know, everything that you think would work doesn't work because, you know, that person already knows the defense and stuff like that. So um, I felt very hopeless. And I think that's also one of the reasons why it hit me so hard, you know, but that happened. And unfortunately, no one believed me. Even though I did have proof, I, I started to feel uneasy and I watched enough, um, you know, uh, Law & Order SVU to be able to, you know, prepare for certain things. So, you know, what I did was I left my phone recording and left it on the counter, you know, just, just in case if I needed audio or something. And thank God I did. Um, but basically, uh, so that happened. No one believed me. And what ended up happening was, is I had to go and report it to the police by myself with no one else's help. Um, my family did not want to be involved in it whatsoever. They didn't really unfortunately support me, but it was kind of a misunderstanding. It was kind of like, they didn't want to believe it. You know, it was, Oh my gosh, there's no way, you know, we've known this person for so long. There, there's no way they, they didn't want to believe it. You know, no one wants to believe it. I didn't want to believe it for the longest time. Um, and I wasn't actually even going to report it, but my friend actually did it for me. I showed up to school one day with a whole bunch of police there. And I was like, uh, whoa. And uh, long story short, they did everything. They even set up a phone call with him that was recorded and planned. And uh, I got him even admitting to it on the phone and then him trying to bribe me to buy stuff. All recorded, right? With the police in the room. And unfortunately, he's a very important man um, in the business world. and. Um, Unfortunately, got away with it, but he's also done this with other women as well, like three or four around the, around you know the globe. And the unfortunate thing is now it's in the records, but nothing really comes up of it. But now, like say for example, if he goes to another woman, unfortunately, and happens to do the same thing, and if that woman is brave enough to report it, then my case gets brought up, and then he gets life in prison. So, yeah, it's not the best outcome I could have possibly asked for, but. You know, all of my friends who know him now know, you know, the true character of him. And I've had a lot of other people reach out to me that said they had similar experiences with him too. So it's cool that I'm, I don't feel as alone as I did before. And I kind of came out on Facebook and told my story in a way where you wouldn't know who he was because I used it anonymous. But if you knew him and you watched the video, um, you would know that it was him. I don't know if you saw that video, Cynthia, but I posted I did. it a couple of years ago. Yeah. So you were watching it and, and you obviously knew it was him, right? So I did that on purpose. So everyone who I knew was friends with him reached out to me and were, you know, absolutely horrified. And unfortunately, I did have a lot of judgment just because it, it was almost unheard of that he would do something like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, that, that was my reality, unfortunately. And I was unfortunately I did have to leave a martial arts studio because of it and I just kind of went off did my own thing and um thank god I did because now I'm in a lot healthier environment so well so I guess I have two two questions one is so if you had all of that evidence and documentation and even like the police sitting there listening to him admitting yep. to this how did it end up that he didn't go to trial. Cynthia, to this day, I have no clue. And 
you know, I hate to compare it to this type of way, but, you know, for example, our president has been in similar situations and handled all those abuses and cases the same way that, you know, he did. So, you know, did he pay off the judges? Probably. Did he pay off somebody? Of course. You know, um, I actually, even his son saw it happen, was in the house when it happened, heard me screaming, heard me. And, you know, I have known his, I grew up with him, you know, and he actually, you know, went to the police station. My parents actually saw him there when he was leaving and of course lied and, you know, said, oh, she's making this up, blah, blah, blah. And it was a lot of betrayal that I felt for sure (laughs) seeing all that happen and almost the betrayal in the system too. You know, like, wow, like this really happened and the police saw it. We have documentation, we have everything and still nothing. You know, the DA never took the case, you know, and I dealt with that thing for a good six to eight months of, you know, dealing with all of that at my school and it was quite the mess but unfortunately nothing happened out of it but everyone who needs who needs to know knows you know what I mean so at least I had my peace with the Facebook video that I posted so that's about as good as it gets yeah that must have been very therapeutic to actually tell the story the way that you did on that video yeah I it it took me a while too I think I didn't post it for about a year or a year and a half or two years later, I think is when I was able to really talk about it openly because I was scared that, you know, I was going to be hurt, like, you know, or something was going to happen to me or like, you know, he, that man has a lot of power. Like, you know, what if he hired somebody to just drive me off in a freeway? You know, you never know. So I really had to be careful. Um, and my parents did not want me doing it at, at all. They were like, you know, like my mom was okay with it. But my dad was like, you know, you need to be careful. Like, a lot of people are going to change the way they look at you. And I was like, I don't care. Like, you know, it, it, it was really a messed up situation. And I feel like a lot of people are silenced into this own little bubble just because they're scared of judgment of something like as awful as that happening to you. But, you know, I, I spoke out when I was able to. And it was the best, um, I guess you could say, healing closure, I guess, that I could have possibly gotten from that. So, yeah. Well, it took a lot of courage for you to stand up and speak and, you know, take a stand for yourself, especially after having gone through so much disappointment and frustration and betrayal. Yeah, 100%. You're so sweet. (laughs) Thank you. It means a lot. But yeah, it was tough. That's what I see. Yeah, that's what I see with you. And my other question is you said that he also was a martial artist. I mean, that he knew the things that you knew. Yes. Yes. So, um, <laughs> that's, that's an unusual situation. I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Said it's not, it's not by somebody with any skills, but also many women don't, don't tend to have skills themselves. Yeah. But for both of you to have the same set of skills, I, that's right. Right. Well, he was a belt under me you know, but it was the same curriculum because we went to the same organization. So, you know, you know, everything that that person knows. And I feel honestly, that was probably the hardest part of this whole situation. Not even the fact that it happened, but the fact that after all these years, I wasn't even able to defend myself. Like, you know, I was biting and scratching, but like, that's all I could really do and like kicking. But, you know, at the end of the day, like that's, that, that doesn't work when 
you know, if two people know the same exact thing, but one person is like, you know, weighs double than the other person, like then, you know, everything goes out the door, you know? So that was definitely, I think the hardest part of me as a martial artist and a woman to deal with in that type of situation for sure. Yes. I remember when you said that in the video that you put out, that that was what my comment back to you was, was right. Don't beat yourself up for not being able to use your martial arts to extricate yourself. <laughs> right, right. I know. I remember you reaching out to me after and saying exactly that a couple of years ago or whenever that was. Um, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I did beat myself up a lot. You know, I feel like if this happened when I was a little bit older, like around this age, I, I feel I would have been able to deal with it a little bit differently. Um, just the emotional aspect of it. But yeah, it was definitely wasn't fun. <laughs> well, and one of the things that you ran into in that situation was like a, a really clear example of the difference between martial arts and real world violence, you know, training for real world violence. Yeah. And I think what I said back when I messaged you back then was, you know, he had all the advantage. Yeah. He probably had done it before. So he had experience oh, with yeah. it. He had clearly set it up and, you know, was able to choose the time and the place and the action. And you were basically ambushed. You know, you, yeah. you didn't know it was coming. And so you, you did what everybody does in that ambush. I mean, you have that, oh shit moment. This can't be happening. What the hell is going on? And, right. you know, when that happens, those wonderful trained skills, you know, that we both have <laughs> just aren't accessible. They're not accessible in that right. moment. And that's not any, you know, fault. That's just reality because of how our physiology and our brains work. And I think that was really what I wanted you to, to understand was like, you got ambushed and you did the absolute best you could. And you were in an absolutely horrendous situation where, you know, with, a, with an experienced perpetrator who had the advantage of time and size and surprise and everything else. And so... Yeah. You know, that was the perfect storm for him and and the worst possible scenario for you. Right. Right. A hundred percent. But I, you know, like I said, I do think everything happens for a reason. And that whole experience was very dark, but, you know, it motivated me in so many ways. And it, I think after that whole period, um, I think it really did bring my family kind of closer together, which was really nice just because, you know, with all of that happening and um, eventually what had to happen was the police station called my parents and um, sat them down and showed them, unfortunately, pictures of, you know, my body, uh, you know, the bruises and stuff like that and just put it all out on the table and was like, this is your reality. This actually happened to your daughter. And unfortunately, I think that's when for them, the reality hit them and it was really hard for them. You know, they, they felt tons of guilt and they were like, you know, I'm so sorry we didn't, you know, support you. And it, you know, it, it wasn't their fault, you know, at the end of the day, it was such a crazy thing to happen that, you know, but at the point now I look at it and it's like, oh, my family's a lot closer. I have developed a lot more of a stronger urge to do martial arts for the rest of my life. And you know, I got out of, out of Cogswell, out of my, you know, my old college and whatever. Um, after that happened, I dropped out and I moved to my 
college that I'm at now. And um, now I'm, you know, studying for early childhood development to, you know, have that degree and then open up my own studio. So yeah, like I said, everything happens for a reason. So that was the reason. <laughs> but yeah. So, so how has that experience changed your perspective on martial arts and on women's safety? Oh, a ton. I think it, it has changed the way I look at martial arts. And I feel like I look at it a little bit more as an art now. You know, like there is that self-defense mechanism, but there's also the art, you know? And I feel like I appreciate more of martial arts in general. And now I just got my white belt in judo. <laughs> nice. So, but, you know, and Brazilian jitsu and all that. And I, you know, I'm kind of branching out more into the more aggressive forms, you know? Taekwondo, there's sparring, you know, that's about it. Kung Fu, it's not really aggressive. It's more of the art. Same with Wushu, you know? So it depends on the art, like, you know, Taekwondo and for example, Krav Maga, which is a, you know, a very violent martial arts form, but it's awesome, you know? So it's, it's completely different uh, aspects of every different art there is in the martial arts. And I definitely have learned to appreciate the different ways that you can use martial arts, you know? So, but as far as girls go, I, I do like, as in, you know, women's safety, I do, I am very worried about it. And I think for a while, I was very paranoid, even with myself. Um, you know, you'd walk in a parking lot, always have your keys sticking out of your knuckles. And, you know, like even just driving near where, you know, um, that old guy lived, I, you know, I was always like sweating or like making sure I didn't see one of his cars or, you know, something like that. So I am a strong advocate for like, you know, girls that aren't safe, like, you know, like my uh, younger student, Paulina, like if she's like, she bikes sometimes back from the studio and it's like pitch black. And it's like, I don't want you doing that. You know, like I'd rather me take you home. So I definitely have become a little bit more paranoid. Like I understand my mom's viewpoint a lot more now <laughs> of safety. So yeah, hundred percent definitely has changed my viewpoint on that. So what lessons learned from that do you think might help other young women? You know, when that happened, I, it was very shocking. But when I started looking back at my old stuff on Facebook, I really saw like, you know, he was commenting on my stuff when I was like 12 saying how beautiful and like, you know, like gorgeous I looked and, you know, and, and I, got sick to my stomach. So I really do think that women should learn to really trust their gut feeling. You know, a lot of times there's people are like, Oh no, you're just over exaggerating. Like you're fine. But like, you know, that gut feeling is there for a reason, you know? And I definitely feel like women trusting their gut is like the, one of the best things that, you know, could possibly do as far as safety goes. You can never be too safe, you know? Yeah. Right on. I mean, that's one of the major messages that I carry forth is, yeah. To really listen to that bad feeling when you get it because there's no downside to listening to it and taking action. Right. You know, you might maybe offend somebody or get called a name or, you know, accused of being hoity toity or a bitch or something like that. But the end result right. is that you're safe. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. What advice do you have for other young women who have experienced an assault? Oh, wow. Um, definitely find time for yourself to heal. I think one of the big reasons why I struggled with my assault was I didn't give time for myself to, 
to heal. I felt very numb and just kind of tried to move on with my life as much as possible. And, you know, you do have to give time to really reflect on how you were feeling and, you know, reach out, get a therapist or, you know, find some trusted family and friends that, you know, you can rely on to really talk about how you're feeling. And, you know, and a lot of times I, I did read that a lot of uh, women don't report it just because they feel like it's nothing's going to happen from it, which unfortunately I was also in that boat. But, you know, if I didn't report it, he could have done something, you know, the next day to somebody else and, you know, nothing would have happened. You know what I mean? Like now, if he does that to somebody else, his whole life is over, you know? So it's not the action that I wanted (laughs) to happen, but, you know, definitely always speak out no matter what you think is going to happen. Like, you know, don't be afraid to speak out, tell somebody, you know, tell the police, talk to therapists, get help for yourself. Definitely all of those definitely would be good advice to give to someone. Mm. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Oh, no problem. Well, I want to swing back to the world of women and martial arts. I'm curious because you you said you want to start your own school. Are you going to start a school for for girls only or are you looking co-ed or? Co-ed for sure. I'm not going to discriminate, you know, um, just because you're male, you can't work here. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, (laughs) I definitely feel like I want to get my own studio just so girls wouldn't have to go through the discrimination I went through at a young age you know, and they have a safe space where they don't have to worry about unequal pay or unequal hours or, you know, unequal treatment and stuff like that. I mean, some of the stuff that I went through at like such a young age, I'm literally talking like uh, 15, 16, 17, like, you know, those are your fundamental years as you're growing up. And I unfortunately went through a lot of, you know, unequal (laughs) types of things just because I was a woman and I would never want that to, to happen to somebody else you know, another, another young woman. So definitely I would like to open up my own martial arts studio as a safe space for that, you know, where they never have to worry about stuff like that. So, yeah. So do you have a mentor or a role model? Oh, I, (laughs) I have a few. Yes. Um, it, it is sad though. On the other, on the other hand, there aren't very many women owned martial arts schools in the area or even in California that I know of, you know, I only know of one here in the area. Well, two, but uh, one ironically just closed, but unfortunately her and I are not on the best terms due to the whole assault thing happening. But I, it's really funny because even though I'm not on the best terms with her, I'm exactly like her. You know what I mean? So I think it's funny that, cause you know, we both like are doing the child development thing in, you know, college and, you know, went up to open our own studio and, I think it's very <laughs> funny how that happened, but um, there aren't enough, you know, women Taekwondo role models, I feel like. And unfortunately, that also motivates me to become one, you know, just even like, you can't even name a martial artist that's famous that's a woman, I feel like at this point. Like, you know, you can name like Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, Chuck Norris. Like, can you name a woman off the top of your head that's a master? Like, I can't. I don't know if you can, you know, and like, that's not okay to me. You know, like that, that really gets my clock turning because, you know, you think, oh yeah, like there's Ronda Rousey, but like, oh yeah, she's hot. Like that's, she could fight. She's hot. But like, no, like, you know, like it, that's not it. Like she's, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like when they are like recognized, it's just because they're sexualized, you know, not for their actual talent, unfortunately. So 
Yeah, I think I could probably name some women who are in the fight game, you know. Right, that I right. Know, but in terms of like pure martial arts. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, there aren't that many, mm-hmm. or if any. And that's so sad for me <laughs> to think about, you know. Like, I don't know. It's it's hard to think about that that's not a thing, even though it's, you know, 2020, you know. So definitely I feel like there should be some change. So I'd love to be a little part of that change, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you have your own school, how would you go about developing a curriculum? You know, that's very interesting question because I'm asking myself that question. <laughs> um, I, I probably would go around getting my school certified, like World Taekwondo Federation certified, just because that's the most like grand thing. So at that point, you do have, you know, like your traditional stuff that you need for your black belt that's recognized around the world, right? But then you can also include fun stuff on the side, like boxing or self-defense classes or, you know, weapon classes, you know, stuff like that. So I think that's the approach I'm going to do just so that my school can be recognized around, you know, with other martial arts studios. Because I think the problem is, is a lot of martial arts studios just want to do their own independent thing, which is fantastic. You know, I love that. Like if that works for them and they have enough like, you know, students and they could do their own curriculum, that's awesome. But, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people can't do that. And I feel like especially being a woman owned martial arts studio, I'm going to have a lot harder of a time starting up. So I do think that I will be taking that route of doing, you know, World Taekwondo Federation certified and adding my fun flavors in there and stuff like that. So. Oh, yeah. I like that approach. That sounds like a really good blend of, you know. Right. The traditional and being affiliated with an organization that would also probably help with arranging tournaments and things like that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I have my foot in the water already. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, you mentioned the word weapons. I did. So I want to hear about your history with weapons. Oh, well, (laughs) I mean, you've seen a little flavor of it for sure. Growing up, I think what's just really cool is I was also going to say this to you. I think now is a good time to say this. I should have said it when you were talking about role models, but at the studio that you and I were at, there was a lot of people there. Like it was one of the bigger studios in in the Bay. And I think what I realized was you were one of the few women that were actually training. You know, I think like I can't really picture on the top of my head many more, but I remember looking at you and thinking like, and this is no joke, you know, no pun intended here, but I really thought like, wow, she's a badass. Like, look <laughs> at her go. Like, I remember saying that to my dad and being like, whoa, like, I don't want to get in front of her. Like she, like, you know, like she could kick my ass. And I think that's so awesome now that, you know, like I know you personally because, you know, like I looked at you as like a role model for sure. Uh, when I was younger growing up as being one of those women where, you know, you can't be messed with. <laughs> but, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I had no I idea. I think it's so cute. <laughs> but yeah, I know, I know you didn't, but you know, cause I was like all young and like scared and whatever, but definitely I looked at you as like being like one of the top that was like really like just a badass. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so to get back to your question, I do know that you brought up weapons. I grew up just watching Mulan religiously almost I want to say and she does use a sword she does use um she did use a fan for a little bit and I remember sitting at my studio and watching this girl um her name is Teresa 
and it was a very long time ago. And she did fans for her form for testing. It was the first time I saw them and I was hypnotized. It was like, oh my goodness, where did this weapon come from? This is the most like girliest like weapon I've ever seen. And she can kick ass with it, you know? And it was love at first sight. And I made my dad like, you know, get me some as soon as possible. And they've been attached to my hands for years now. <laughs> and I, I and that's why I went to Kung Fu for a little bit was to get more of the aspect of, you know, weapons specifically. Um, and I learned a lot of different weapons. And I think that's actually my favorite part of martial arts is the whole weapon aspect. And you can be creative and, you know, you can do an outlet and, you know, put it to music and choreograph and, you know, and that I think is my favorite part, a hundred percent of martial arts is weapons. So. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, I love weapons too. I, I have never learned as many as you learned. And I certainly was never as good at fans as you became. Uh, when I did my third degree, I did a fan form, but I did a single fan. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Oh my God. <gasps> I remember that. Oh my God. That. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, but I only used that's one though. About. And when you came along, you started using two and I was like, oh man. I know. And I broke all of the rules because <laughs> traditionally you're supposed to use one. And I remember going to Kung Fu and being like, I want to use two. And they're like, no. And so I like, you know, they were teaching me slow, like boring Tai Chi stuff with one fan. And I was like, you know, what if I did a little bit faster and with two hands, you know, two fans in my hands. And, you know, I started, that's kind of how that grew is kind of breaking the rules a little bit. And, um, <laughs> but definitely I remember you doing fan that, that fan form. And I actually still think my dad has a video of it. I'd be super cool to watch you do that, you know, cause you did fans before I even did them, you know? So it's cool to watch that happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it's a neat connection. Just the growth and yeah, hundred percent. So <laughs> oh, that made me so happy. And you know, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> thing because, uh, when you, when you add an external object to your movement, it changes everything. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah, it does. And it, it just increases the, I guess the mental cycling and, and, uh, preparation that you have to do. And it, it ups the emotional part too. Oh yeah. Um, I remember like the difference between going and, and performing an open form, just empty hand versus doing it with a weapon for me was just like, I was relatively relaxed doing the normal forms. But when I added that weapon, I got so much more nervous and just worried about, was I going to drop it? And I don't know if you remember my fourth degree where I did the tomahawk and bone dagger for my form. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and did the demo awesome. and did one movement and the blade of the dagger came out of the handle and flew across the floor at the judges. Oh, uh, <laughs> hey, you Oops. were talking to the queen of dropping wet fans. I have probably dropped my fans over 10 times during a, like, you know, in performances. And I've, just learn not to care. You know, it's, it's whatever you keep going. It's all about the recovery. And a lot of my students, especially the girls are very apprehensive of using weapons. Like right now at the studio, the last thing that they were doing was, um, commas, which is like a short little, like stick with like a little sickle blade at the end of it. And 
I remember a lot of the parents be like, oh, she's going to hurt herself. Oh, she, she can't do that. She's going to, you know, like, you know, mess up or drop it or injure herself. And, you know, you've got to be like, it's okay. You know, it's okay if you mess up. That's a part of growing up. It's okay if you get hurt, you know, move on. That's the beauty of it, I feel like. And I think the other reason why I like weapons so much and teaching them is it gives, especially like my younger girls that I've seen, like, especially on like my old demo teams and stuff, it kind of gives them more power, you know, that they thought that they had before. And now they feel more empowered that they're holding something that they could really injure somebody with. Now it's not only their body, but now they have something else to back them up, you know? And I feel like it's just a very empowering thing, but it could also be the opposite too, you know, very intimidating, but it just depends how you look at it, you know? So you definitely know where I'm coming from with that, but. <laughs> yeah, it's a great little microcosm of the kind of learning that can happen when you do martial arts because yes, there is an element of risk and you might get hurt. And if you think that life is not going to ever give you risk and that you're not going to be in a situation where you can get hurt, then when it happens, then you just are flummoxed and you get into that fear loop and you don't know what to do. But if you if you do this kind of training where you have these repeated opportunities to to be in situations that are risky and where things could go wrong and you learn like well that's okay like i can actually recover from that i can be resilient i can find the courage to even try it in the first place even if i'm intimidated by it like that's the stuff that carries on into the rest of your life i think oh 100% yeah definitely you could, I could have said it better myself. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. And I think that's one of the awesome parts of martial arts is weapons and learning that side of confidence, I feel like. And just like you said, dropping your weapon, I feel like really, I, I, it seems like such a small thing to, you know, the outside world, but really it's not like, you know, if you're like, if you're practicing for something so long and you mess up in front of everyone, like you learn how to recover and it makes you a better martial artist and a better person, you know? and kind of humbles you a little bit and different stuff like that. So definitely there's lots of advantages of weapons, which is why I love them so much. So. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, we're coming to the end of our time. I have one more question for you and then we'll wrap it up. All right. So how do you think that women can develop their own personal power and courage? Oh, that's a beautiful question. Um, it all comes within themselves. You know, you, I feel like you really have to build your confidence and I know it's a lot easier said than done. I mean, I'm still working on it, you know, but definitely I feel like everything that happens in your life, I said this earlier, you know, you have to think everything happens for a reason and look back at all those things that happen and kind of grow from it and blossom from it. And, you know, use that as an outlet to, be courageous and, you know, be on top of it and, you know, be the best version of yourself a hundred percent. I feel like, you know, that's what you got to do. <laughs> I, you know, you always got to try and build yourself up, even, you know, when other people are bringing you down. And I think especially with women, that's a lot more common, not only in a personal life, but also in the business life. So definitely, you know, you got to just keep empowering yourself, find different things that make you confident and unique um, so you can stand out you know, definitely that would be my advice. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. And you are a great example of somebody who has definitely encountered some really serious obstacles and challenges and used them to build more power and has you know built more courage by going through that adversity. So 
you know, when you, when you give that advice and you, you share that insight, it, it rings very, very true because it's coming from what you've actually experienced. Yeah. And, you know, I hate that I experienced some of this stuff, but like I said earlier, like, you know, everything happens for a reason and I wouldn't be the happy, you know, passionate driven person I am today if it wasn't for all that. So. Oh, that's wonderful. This has been so much fun, Natasha. I'm so glad that I we know. did this. I know. I'm so glad I finally got on your podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much. Well, before we go, can you share how people can find you or contact you? Because I'm sure there's going to be people who would like to follow up. Yeah, of course. You guys can message me on Instagram. My Instagram is at princess underscore Jasmine with an extra E in the word princess. So you can definitely contact me on there or on Facebook. You know, you can find me. I'll, I'll be glad to, you know, message you guys and give you, you know, more advice and insight and stuff like that. So that's great. Well, we'll put those links in the show notes so that people can find you easily. Perfect. Sounds good. All right. Well, Natasha, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been just an incredible pleasure to talk with you again. Oh my goodness. Same with you. And it was great talking to you. I haven't talked to you for a while. So thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciated being able to, you know, get my message out across to other, you know, people as well through your outlet, which is amazing. Oh, thank you. This has been the Born to be a Badass podcast. Stay safe and be a badass. You've been listening to the Born to be a Badass podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and be sure to share it with your friends. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and a review. Tune in regularly for more exciting insights and wisdom on women, violence, and safety. And until next time, embrace your inner badass.